0: Enterprise. Lock on transporters. Beam us up. Scotty. If everything goes according to plan, beam us up.
1: Hello and welcome to Part B of Scotty, a podcast where we rewatch all of Star Trek in chronological order. I'm Andrea and this is. Oshin. Hello. Hello. And today we're discussing the eighth episode, Civilization, where T'Pol finds unusual neutrino readings on a planet with a pre industrial society. So, you haven't seen this before.
2: No, I haven't seen this before.
1: What are your first impressions of the episode? Good, bad, meh?
2: Do you remember a few weeks ago in the episode Strange New World, where they go down to the new planet? Mm-hmm. And you said, oh, we should start a spreadsheet of when we agree and disagree with DePaul. Yep. So I want you to open that spreadsheet and I want you to put two big ticks in the DePaul is the right column for this episode. Yes, because I agree. <laughs> because she nails it and she's right. And even if at the end of the episode you can have a debate about whether they maybe were justified in going down. Mm-hmm. from the get-go, with the information that they had, they absolutely should not have been going down to that planet. Nope. That was literally my first note. It was like capital letters to Paul of Rice.
1: I thought about the spreadsheet too, because even I agree with her. Yeah. How can you not? If you're a logical person, I, I mean, I'm not a logical person, but even if you're not a logical person, you have to agree with Paul. And also some things that we did mention that because she's not Starfleet, she has her Vulcan protocols for like first contact and all all of that. And it is mentioned in this episode when Trip says that those are not Starfleet's uh, protocols. She's like, you'd be wise to adopt them.
0: I cannot wait to get down
1: there. I'd advise against that. It's standard protocol to wait until a society develops warp drive before initiating first contact.
0: Those are Vulcan protocols, not human.
1: Starfleet would be wise to adopt them. Yeah. It was basically, shut the fuck up, bro. But in a Vulcan way.
2: And it's nice because obviously having seen future Star Trek, we know that they do eventually adopt them. Yeah. And Trip is wrong because, again, they're just reckless. Captain Archer just does not care. And he's not glory hunting, kind of glory hunting. He wants to be the first to do everything and they do obviously come to a compromise with just sending Hoshi down at the start and then they realize discover the antimatter signals i think it is what they say but even that in itself had me disappointed because they had my hopes up and i was thinking this is going to be a hoshi episode <laughs> and then no she's actually barely featured
1: speaking of hoshi because the mentions that we can make about her in this episode are few because they did not give her any recognition but she's so beautiful in this episode she looks so pretty Mm -hmm. with her hair let down and the first close-up on her face with the prosthetics she's so beautiful such a beautiful wonderful gorgeous woman and i just needed to appreciate that
2: yeah and then she's (laughs) sidelined for the rest of the episode and
1: then it's like oh you know how beautiful she is fuck that no
2: she does go down to the planet yes she goes with tepol, Yes. But then after that, I don't remember her on the planet again at all.
1: So tepol and Hoshi go their way and see people that are looking sick. Yeah. And then we pan out to Archer, breaking and entering a local place. And then they're back at the ship.
2: And I think after that, we don't see her down on the planet again, do we? No. Ridiculous. I know they'll get more time. But I just think it's really unfortunate because this isn't the first time that they have led us to believe that the episode is going to be focused on one character and then switched it up. For instance, with the Terranova episode, I thought that was going to be a Mayweather episode because he was all excited at the start. And then, nope, that's an Archer, Trip and Paul episode again. And I like those three characters. Don't get me wrong. I like them. They're good. But you've got Hoshi. You've got Mayweather you've got Flocks and you've got Reed, unfortunately, um, who all <laughs> need character development.
1: <laughs> I mean, Reed doesn't need it, but it would be unfair not to give it to him. So yeah, that's the sideline for Hoshi. She's literally the only one that should have gone down there.
2: Yeah, literally. Yeah, absolutely. Let's give Archer credit where it's due in that if he was going to send someone recklessly down to this new planet, he at least chose the right person to send yes. rightly <laughs> down.
1: <laughs> Imagine if he was like, okay, Reed, your turn. <laughs> 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 and it's not the lack of Hoshi. It is the implied amount of Hoshi we were going to get. And then it being taken away from us. Because if the episode starts with Reed and Trip talking, I'm not going to get my hopes up to get Hoshi. But it didn't. It started with Hoshi. So... One of my notes is that this is the first romance we see, like real romance, like consensual two part.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we, we're not if we're not counting the. That's not the romance, unexpected... That was
1: another R word.
2: Okay, now though <laughs> we do have to discuss consent in this episode as well.
1: Yeah, but it's n- I don't think it's as bad. It didn't
2: lead to a
0: pregnancy.
1: Exactly, <laughs> but yeah, it's the first romance. And it's obviously the captain. I don't know if you were expecting that.
2: I was. Because as soon as I thought that Hoshi was going down to the planet, I thought she's obviously going to have a romantic interest. Because that's just what Star Trek does. They do this storyline over and over again where crews go down to alien planets and one of them falls for one of the aliens. And then they have to leave at the end of the episode and it's really sad. So, yeah, I was excited. I was excited for Hoshi to get some action. And then, no, they even robbed that from her as well.
1: Yes. And I think, what if she had gone down and fell for someone? If the translator device broke, she would have been able to understand.
2: Yeah, she would have been able to understand. She may have even been able to come up with a better excuse to go away and fix it. Yeah. I think maybe if the captain had tried just a little bit harder, he might have been able to come up with a better excuse. But let's be honest, his brain was not doing the thinking in that moment.
1: It was the brain, but it wasn't the head brain. It was the other brain. Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame him because the lady is so beautiful.
2: She was very attractive. I don't blame him at all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I get it. It's very obvious from the beginning of the episode that she's going to be a lot of interest. And that's all that she's going to be. But they did make her... Able, Like, she's able to hold herself.
2: Yeah, she's clever. She's obviously been investigating this herself and has come to some conclusions. She's not just a damsel in distress to be rescued. She does kind of need to be rescued at the end. But she even comes up with the solution in terms of telling Archer about the oil in the tank under the lantern that allows him to get out. So she's not a typical female romance, which again, you have to give. Star Trek credit for because they don't usually fall into those tropes
1: yeah no they don't
2: but these romances that they do they just strike me as really weird i don't like we talk about character development but what was archer's arc here i don't think he had an arc it's never going to be like oh another episode he's going to think back on what could have been with this lady we're never going to see her again he's going to have another romantic interest i'm sure with some other alien lady on a different planet and it's just really strange because when you actually think about it, imagine if it was real. Can you imagine being her and finding out that there's this technology out there and then being left behind and knowing that your society will certainly never catch up with them in your lifetime, that you will never see these things again. You will never see this technology that could have such benefits for your society and culture. Yep. We discussed previously, Starfleet could cure cancer. (laughs) And it's not mentioned in this episode, but they cure this sickness. They do cure a sickness in this episode.
1: No, they cure an epidemic.
2: Yeah. So if you're her left behind, you've got to be thinking,
1: hmm, I wonder wonder what else they
2: could have cured before they left.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so that's also interesting from the perspective of humans in Star Trek. because. They have a lot of animosity towards Vulcans because they feel like Vulcans held them back in developing Warp Drive and many other science achievements, I'm sure. But there they are, doing the exact same thing. They made contact with a civilization and they showed a person of that civilization science that was above her pay grade. She saw literally flying ships. Bringing shit up with light. And then they just left. If she was going to be telling everybody about it, she would be burned at a stake for being a witch. Because what the fuck is that? But she now has to leave knowing that there is literally people out there among the stars. And she's there. Suffering fucking dying from a cold.
2: And also, not only people, but
1: possibly the love of her life. Yeah. Yeah. Her new boyfriend is out there.
2: And just a brief tangent off that, because I mentioned, and you agreed at the start of the episode, that we need two ticks in the Tapal of the right episode. Yes. The first tick for me is obviously that they shouldn't go down. And the second tick for me is when there's a moment where they're talking about, I think, bringing the girl up to the space station or bringing someone up.
0: If we can get one of these people to the ship, Dr. Fox might be able to tell us what's wrong with them. I'd advise against that. If I'm not
1: mistaken, the fear of alien abduction caused a great deal of apprehension on your planet for centuries. T'Pol's just so clever and logical. Yeah, it is. Okay, so what we were saying, that they shouldn't have gone down and giving Tapole her credit because she deserves it. It's just the same thing over again. Because they look at a planet, and they're there, and they don't scan for any dangers again. Yeah. So it's like the end justifies the means? Is it like that? Because at the end of the episode, they needed their help and they could help and they were a positive thing there. But through what means? Through invading a new civilization, possibly risking their development? Is the end justified because no one died when they would have died from the sickness? Or is it. No, you shouldn't have gone there. And it's just luck that it turned out the way it did. So, to both obviously is right. And in both cases, you shouldn't have gone down. And you should never bring anyone on board your ship. But if they had brought them up, for example, to heal them, and then brought back down, would that have been justifiable if at the end of the episode they kicked the guy out and... Apparently, Vulcans are going to be keeping guard on a planet. Yeah, I think at some point
2: we are just going to have to accept that either they're doing these scans on the planets and they're not telling us, or that they don't do these scans because obviously, if you're really nitpicky, you can get into all bunch of brain diseases and stuff. So I think at some point we're just going to have to put those nitpicks aside. But in this episode, it's really interesting because at least they gave themselves the the solution that the antagonists were also aliens and they were also influencing the society and so Starfleet crew were basically counterbalancing that and removing that influence for the longer term effect but had they come across this planet and it was actually locals who were mining this product and they developed this oil or lubricant or whatever that was infecting the waters then you have to question Starfleet's involvement. You can't interfere with the natural evolution of a planet.
1: Yeah, it's like if the Vulcans came during World War II and they were like, oh, let's just kill Hitler. It's like, that's not how our history, sadly, was supposed to go. So Hitler obviously was a human, sadly. Debatable. Miserable, awful, disgusting human. But he was human, so if aliens had come down here and saw the the picture and be like, we can help you kill him, it would have been a good thing. They would have been probably doing it out of goodness and trying to help humanity, but it would have been interfering with our history or our development. Obviously, if there are aliens that can time travel, I vote kill Hitler. I know it will cause a paradox. I don't care. I will live in a, inside of a paradox, but like if you can do it, just do it. But yeah, what you said, they were very lucky that all the circumstances came to be the way that they did because it was an alien causing harm that they could stop and no one got hurt and the only person that found out the truth was a reliable person and a trustworthy person that they knew they could trust. So, it was all luck, but at the end of the day, again, does the end justify the means? Does the lack that they had justify them getting in the way of a society's progress?
2: I think in this episode, the ends probably do justify the means. I'm going to pick a side, because I think at the end of the episode, Starfleet has, of course, corrected, as best they can, the civilization they've saved. People who would have died as a result of this outside interference. They've also saved resources that would be useful to the inhabitants of the planet that were being stolen from them unknowingly. And the negative impact that they had on the planet, which they did have, they did expose a small percentage of civilians to technology that was beyond their comprehension. I think that negative impact is probably outweighed by the positive impact of saving lives and preserving the planet's and its inhabitants' natural course of evolution. Fair enough. That's just my opinion, and that's just this episode, but obviously, you know, you have to take these instances as they come, because it does raise questions about particularly American interference in other countries' politics.
1: Not just American
2: yeah, no, not just American, not just American, but given that this is an American show, I think it's relevant.
1: Yeah. And considering America's history of doing it. Yeah,
2: and America has a tendency to portray itself. They're the good guys, and therefore their interference is always for good intentions on the end, therefore do justify by the means.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't agree with America's position, but I do agree that in this particular episode, it's a feel-good episode. It's dramatic, but it's a good ending, no one dies, Starfleet wins, they help people, they meet a new species and make relationships with them in more ways than one. Mm-hmm. And also what Archer says...
0: Starfleet could have sent a probe out here to make maps and take pictures, but they didn't. They sent us, so that we could explore with our own senses.
1: And that is also true, because we... As humans have sent probes to space for reconnaissance missions, but once you want to actually make connections and meet new civilizations, you have to send people. So if you're gonna send people, you might as well go down to the surface and meet them. Obviously I wouldn't have gone down to a pre-industrial society Maybe post-industrial. Once they know what machines are. <laughs> but all things considered, at the end of the day, the bad guys have been kicked out. It was a feel-good episode. We had the first romance in the show. I do consider this to be the first romance. Because there's a kiss. And I do want to talk about that kiss.
0: Mm-hmm. I thought.
1: Um. But yeah, it's a good episode. And Starfleet won. That's my opinion as well. I agree with you. Yay! But, regarding the kiss...
2: Yeah, let's talk about the kiss.
1: I'm so annoyed at TV kisses back in the days, in the olden days of our childhood and before. What is that kiss? I don't know. Because that is not a kiss. That is two people pushing their faces together.
2: Oh, you're talking about the actual technique. Yes. Oh, okay. (laughs)
1: Yes. No, I'm talking about the technique. It's just smashing lips. And I don't wanna say that I'm a good kisser, but like that is not how people kiss. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a it's a very T V thing. Obviously they can't have people shoving tongues where they don't belong Mm. in T V shows. But at the same time, it's just like in the original series when William Shatner kisses People, it's the same kisses in the sixties, and it's so awkward to see because no one kisses like that. And if you're kissing like that, please stop yeah. <laughs> for the sake of your partner.
2: I think, uh, I, I think we have to take in consideration in this particular instance that uh, maybe one party was not prepared for the kiss. <laughs> yeah, but no, because like... <laughs> no,
1: I have been kissed by surprise. And the other person hasn't kissed me like that.
2: They haven't just smashed their lips into yours.
1: <laughs> what is that? What is that? <laughs> for for our listeners, I just smashed my hand into my mouth. That's <laughs> basically what it is. There's no no anything. There. And if that kiss would have been a normal kiss, like a, a passionate, not even like a filthy kiss, obviously, but like a passionate kiss, I think it would have made more sense in that moment. Because if you're trying to pretend that you're just making out so that whoever was walking through didn't, like, catch you. Also, you don't know what a kiss means in that other society. Yeah. You're talking about aliens here. Maybe a kiss is like a declaration of war.
2: And I'm going to pause. Okay. And I'm going to go watch the kiss.
1: Okay. Ten minutes later.
2: Watched the kiss, it's not as egregious as you made out. It's definitely not a good kiss, but it's not as smashy smashy if as I thought I it was
1: be. If I'm ever kissed like that, I will want to cry.
2: It is literally just mouth to mouth, but it's not particularly forceful, actually. I, I remembered it being more forceful.
1: No, he's quite
2: gentle, he's gentle, but
1: it's he's
2: genuinely gentle. He's a captain.
1: of course, he's gentle.
2: As they zoom out, as they pull out of the kiss, you can clearly see that she's actually kissing his upper lip. She's not kissing his mouth. She's kissing the bit of skin between his lip and his nose. So his aim needs work as well.
1: I never meant that it was aggressive. I just meant that it was aggressively bad.
2: There's no passion behind it.
1: There's no feeling in there.
2: But again, this is—I mean—it's not the kiss is not purely a kiss of passion. He's clearly not invested. He has his eyes open. He's looking at his universal. Fan later, trying to fix it as he kisses. He's got his mind on other things.
1: Yeah, but if you're pretending, I'm gonna look the the second one.
2: Oh no, I better do it as well so
0: we can be on the same page.
1: One eternity later. In regards to the second kiss, can you truthfully and honestly say that that is not a kiss from passion? That sucked us, uh
2: I mean look it's not the worst it's not the it's not the worst kiss I've seen on t v It's not the best
1: I'm not saying it's the worst, I'm saying it's so bad, and i don't I'm not saying that the actors are bad kissers, I'm saying that this is how they used to kiss in all movies and shows everywhere yeah, it's a
2: very tame it's a very tame kiss
1: yeah and I think that if you're making it such a big deal and you're making the romance part of it such a big deal, I think you should be able to just snack a little tongue in it or just move your lips. You don't need to add tongue for the kiss to be good.
2: Yeah. It's not a kiss worthy of a relationship destined to fail. It's not a last kiss. That is their last kiss and it's not a good last kiss.
1: She's going to forget him as soon as he's left the atmosphere. (laughs)
2: pretty much can we talk then about the consensual side of it
1: so yes there is obviously lack of consent there is not spoken consent because he doesn't ask her can i kiss you or is this okay should i stop there's no spoken consent but she's obviously into him Mm -hmm. prior to the kiss so at that point she still thinks that he's one of her own race people from the planet. When you're meeting people and you're going to dates and whatever, if you both feel like you like each other, I don't think that the other person kissing you out of the blue is breaking any consent. If she would have been like, no, stop, and then he continued, then yes. But she didn't push him away, so obviously she didn't give him consent, but she didn't ask him to stop either so i'm okay with this case it's obviously a trope and it's been done but i don't think that in this particular case because there was an existing inclination towards each other that it was overstepping any lines that were hard lines if she wouldn't have been okay with it she would have told him what the fuck are you doing get the fuck out of here and she didn't so it's obviously a plot advancing kiss but i don't think it's breaking any consent in this in this case they're okay for now they fucked up with the other one this is okay and 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 i don't think if the roles would have been reversed that my thoughts would have been any different if someone was really coming and she kissed him to like I don't. I don't understand the logic. I if I see two people making out in a corner, I'm gonna look.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're gonna look and give feedback on their kissing technique.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be like, what the fuck is that? No, but like, if it's the, if it's midnight and I'm going, I'm walking home and I see two people, I'm gonna look and then look away, but I'm gonna look. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. If if it was her that initiated the kiss, I wouldn't have been like, oh, she's overstepping his consent or his boundaries. It would have been like. Uh, again, means to an end, right? His t- translator machine broke. But, yeah, in this case, they had, obviously, feelings for each other already, and there was tension there, and it was just a good escape. If it had been uh, any other situation, maybe I wouldn't have agreed, but in this case, I'm okay with it. Plot convenient.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is a very big plot convenient I think it's interesting because they're not on a date. But also... The Captain is on a professional mission and I mean, he... if you're
1: putting the mission in it, then of course, they're it literally is...
2: on a job but they're, it's literally, not about they're literally consent. doing something like, for the mission,
1: yeah, no, but then it's not a consent issue,
2: well, it's a professional conduct issue, yeah, as
1: well, yeah, but a professional professionalism is is he going to put that in his log i I made out with a girl. Yeah, that is a disciplinary action consent thing, but not, like, uh, her consent.
2: I just think it's an interesting... I, I don't... am not overly a fan of this trope, because I think it's written so that we know that there is chemistry, and...
1: We knew! We knew before!
2: No, I know, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, we know their chemistry, because we're watching it, and we know that it's going to be okay, but... The captain doesn't know. He can sense it. Yeah. And he can have an idea that maybe there's something, but he doesn't know 100%. And he's making a big assumption in just kissing her.
1: I think he's making a risk, because he's risking getting slapped in the face. Yeah, he is. I don't think he's expecting them to start fucking right there and then. No, of course. I'm not
2: not saying he is.
1: He had a machine malfunction, and he thought... I would rather be slapped in the face than her realize that I can't understand what she's saying.
2: Yeah, but the slap in the face is a risk for him, whereas she gets kissed. Either way.
1: No, I know. <laughs> I understand what you're saying.
2: I don't like the trope. I think he could have found a better way. I think they
1: Obviously, there's always a better way than just kissing someone out of the blue in any context. That's why I said it's plot convenient.
2: Yeah, it's very plot convenient.
1: That's the only reason that they made it, is that it is plot convenient.
2: No, I know, I know. But yeah, I think it just feeds into the notion of assumed consent. hmm But I think that's a that's a wider discussion that has to be had, that could be had at a different time. It does work out here and yeah, there clearly is chemistry there.
1: I mean I would have chemistry with her. She's gorgeous. Oh yeah, like I would find the chemistry. I would make it up.
0: <laughs> well, yeah.
1: So I also have another another point. Well, I have two. They're science related, and I'm throwing this out there for anyone that can answer. If you can answer, please do let me know. One of the things is, as we've mentioned before, she's a capable woman, a smart woman, and she was like, the lamps are filled with oil that explodes at three hundred and ninety-eight degrees. She never mentions what degree, so for my Europeans and Americans, I'm going to just make a distinction here. If the 398 degrees are Fahrenheit, that means that it's 203 Celsius, which is double the temperature of boiling water. But if it was 398 Celsius, it would have been 748 Fahrenheit. So there is a big difference. And my question here goes to any person that can tell me, how does the translator know how to translate temperatures on a planet? If I told you in Spanish a number and then the word degree, you will understand the number and then degree. But you don't know what that means to me. Like if I told you it's 200 degrees, For me, it's going to be 200 degrees Celsius, and this is the scale, and this is what it means. But if you're American, and I just say 200 degrees, you're going to be like, oh, 200 degrees Fahrenheit. And that is a completely different thing.
2: I would imagine that the universal translator just automatically converts it to
1: Fahrenheit. But how does a translator know the temperature of another planet, the units of measurement that they use?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
1: <laughs> that is my question. Because if we just met someone out there in the universe, and they're like, oh, yeah, my planet is three degrees, but their degree scale is different, and three degrees equals 20 Celsius. But they say it's three degrees. Yeah. So that's one of the things, and I'm assuming for logical reasons, and because the show is American, that she meant Fahrenheit. So 398 Fahrenheit, which is 200 Celsius. If you have to reach 398 Celsius, it's 700 Fahrenheit. Like, I think it's a big difference here. Um, I think it meant Fahrenheit, which I'm already annoyed by, because Fahrenheit makes no sense. No, sense. <laughs> no fucking sense. But okay, so that is one of the points. And then, you know, when they beam up on board the machine, The atom splitter. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Whatever. Black matter. The antimatter. I don't know. Yeah. The machine. They beam it up. And then they beam it outside again. And then they shoot it. And it explodes. And the explosion in space. In the vacuum of space. Causes a wave. That hits the Enterprise. And they stumble a little bit. However. It is the vacuum of space, and I'm pretty sure waves cannot travel in space.
2: No, this is, again, just one of those nitpicks we're just going to have to put aside, because there's going to be one of these in every episode. I think I think. I, I remember. Think from
1: now on, I'm going to call shit out when I see it. I'm not a scientist, as we have previously mentioned, but this shit makes me go crazy. Because it doesn't make sense. You're expecting me to believe that in space, sound doesn't travel Because there's no air. There's no medium for the waves to travel. But there is an explosion and a big-ass ship shakes? No.
2: Yeah, but like in the last episode with the comet, I think. I think it was the last episode when they were drilling or they were setting off the charges. I think Archer or someone said, prepare to make some noise. It's in space, You're not going to make any noise.
1: Yeah, but that is an expression relating to an explosion that they were going to make they wouldn't have been able to hear it but it's an expression but this literally happened and it's not like the thing hit them it's like the wave the after wave no it doesn't make sense i'm gonna call this shit out when i see it
2: okay (laughs) okay that doesn't bother me i mean i didn't know that the phasers could reach that temperature
1: yeah no me neither
2: but it didn't bother me as much to be honest What was curious to me, obviously they're able to replicate the look of the aliens based on what they can see. But I was curious to see how they, this, mysterious quartermaster <laughs> um, made yeah. all these lovely costumes I mean where did they just have is there like a material shop in <laughs> Enterprise <laughs> where they just have reams of silks and satins to make or do they replicate the costumes I thought that was very interesting I would also like to meet the quartermaster and the chef
1: an episode dedicated for them I think it's necessary
2: yeah exactly because uh, there's, only, there's only 52 people on this ship. I think it's something like 52 they mentioned before.
1: I think so.
2: Yeah. So we've obviously met. seven of them. We've met Cutler and. Nakakovich. Nakakovich? And now we know there's the... a. I'm a kid. <laughs> There's a there's a quartermaster and a chef, so that's, that's 11 people. Yeah. I want to gradually meet them all.
1: With a crew of 50 people, I don't think it would have been hard to introduce them all, even just for like one episode each.
2: I think definitely they could have had an appearance. We've probably seen extras as well. We've definitely seen extras in the background, I just don't remember.
1: Yeah, no, of course. There are extras.
2: There's that guy in the last episode when Tripp comes over to apologize to DePaul. DePaul's just having this conversation with a random dude.
1: Oh, yeah. At the table. And Trip
2: is like, do you mind?
1: <laughs> Get the fuck out. I want to talk to her.
2: But yeah, I was curious as to how they got there. Love the costume.
1: Do you think they would have been a historian? Or like a fashion designer? I don't know. I would have loved to be a fashion designer, applying for Starfleet, and then being like... Hell yeah! Hell yeah!
2: Yeah, they could have done that that Hollywood trope of just having the fashion designer just be a really gay guy.
1: But a, a, like a visually very gay, out and proud gay guy.
2: I'm thinking maybe um, Dan Levy from Shit Creek.
1: Please! Oh my god, if he ever gets a Star Trek role, he better be a fashion designer. I think It would be the same way that Lower Decks is interesting because you get the point of view of not the captain and stuff. I think it would have been a good idea to make a show of all these people. The chef and (laughs) the fashion designer and the nurse that is on call 24-7 because everybody keeps exploding things in engineering. I would love a show of just the background characters that are mentioned once and how they talk about the crew. Imagine Nakaka na Bitch.
2: <laughs> You'd call him Nakaka Bitch.
1: Nakaka Bitch, <laughs> yeah. Imagine him after that mission being like, I, I curse the captain and the captain never came to say anything to me. Like, is he crazy or what? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, or just just a show about the people in Starfleet back on Earth like reading the logs.
1: Oh, yeah. Just
2: be- and they did what?
1: <laughs> like, and she who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it would be cool to see that. Yeah. The lives of the crew, but also the lives of the office workers in Starfleet.
2: Yeah. I have a question as well about they they did the makeup on themselves to look like the people. And I was questioning Maybe to Paul, maybe the Vulcans have protocols in regard to this. But do you think there's a line? Do you think there's a point where, they're like, actually, no, let's let's not do that. Like, where it's too far.
1: Are you mentioning it like a blackface thing?
2: Exactly. Let's say they found a planet where with all black people. Do you think they'd have a discussion? Maybe we should just not explore this planet. <laughs> let let's send back for a different crew.
1: Yeah. The thing with blackface is that it's historical to Earth. Oh,
2: yeah. Blackface has completely other issues surrounding blackface and why blackface exists.
1: Yeah, so I don't think the problem with me painting my face black is that I painted my face black, is that the people that look like me have historically painted their faces black to make fun of people that look like that naturally. Yeah. So I don't know if that would apply to a planet Because they can paint themselves blue and we wouldn't consider it offensive.
2: Yeah, but... like
1: If the people in the planet had the eyebrow things, but their skin was also purple, I think they would have painted themselves purple. And I wouldn't have been like, that's like blackface. It's just a disguise. We're not making fun of them. But if the planet had been of people that are brown, dark brown, black, or any color that we do have here on Earth, then... I think it would have been a different thing. Yeah. Because then we would have blackface, essentially, shown in TV.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. Because it's something that they do a lot on Star Trek. They dress themselves as other races.
1: Yeah, I think the problem is that we're very biased. And again, if they ever turn themselves purple, blue, green, pink, I wouldn't think twice about it. But if they turned their shades of brown a little bit too dark. Yeah. It's like... "Mm."
2: Do you think they scanned the rest of the planet because the only natives that we see are white? But they were going to send Hoshiden.
1: Yeah. I don't know.
2: I don't even know why I'm bringing it up because I don't know if it's even relevant or is that interesting?
1: I think it is interesting to put it into perspective that I'm so fine with them painting themselves blue. But I think you're right.
2: They're not doing it in a derogatory sense. They're not doing it to make fun of. Yeah. They're doing it to try and, well, they're the level of deception. They're trying to deceive the people into thinking they're one of them and trying to learn their ways and their culture. And if that was done on Earth, that's, yeah, you you don't do that.
1: I think it's very interesting to think about. I think you brought up a very good point. Where is the line? And I think the line is just, If you're being respectful of the culture, then it's fine. I don't think you're disrespecting the culture just by wanting to fit in and help you. What they did here is like, oh, we see that something is wrong. Or even before, like, we just want to listen to you. We just want to learn about your customs. I think that's fine. The problem would have been if he didn't tell her he's from another planet. I think that would have been worse, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Where's the line?
2: Yeah, because we're two white people Yeah, discussing this. <laughs> we're not in the best position to decide. No. I have a question as well about the start of this episode. And this isn't a big issue at all. At the start of the episode, hmm. we open the episode with Archer. He goes into the briefing room and he's asking, what have we got? And T'Pol starts listing off these really boring things. And when I first saw it, I was like, okay, this is going to be a bet where they've all got something to put to him. And they've got a bet on which one he'll go for. But it turns out that she's just buried the lead and leaving the most interesting thing till last. And I don't get it because, I mean, I get the joke, but they're all laughing and he says to Tapal, you should have led with that. So was she in on the joke and deliberately didn't lead with that? Or are they making fun of her because that's how she ordered them?
1: I think the reason that she ordered. That, the last, is because she knows her captain and she knew that if she mentioned that there was a planet with life forms that they could visit, he was going to want to visit and she doesn't approve. And I think that's her way of telling him, don't fucking do this. Okay. And I don't think they're laughing at her. They probably all knew that if he was given this information, that that's the one that he was going to pick. And I think T'Pol knew too, for sure, that if she told the captain there's this planet, he was going to choose that option too. But it's just that she didn't want <laughs> she didn't want what happened to happen.
2: So you think that she was putting it at the end in the hopes that he would either pick something before that and also just get the hint that let's not do this.
1: Yeah. I think that's what her logical progression would have been. I don't approve of this. I know my captain wants to get out of this ship as many times as possible. So I'm just going to tell him the things that I approve of. Before the one that I don't approve yeah. of.
2: Okay, interesting. Um, I think we should talk about the cultural contamination. Because as we're obviously both agreed. It's the right approach to take. They should have stayed the fuck away. Yep. They go down to the planet anyway. Throwing this cultural contamination to the wind. But they bring down all this technology with them. They bring down universal translators and phasers. Even though they're literally breaking and entering, they're not worried about getting arrested or they don't... Okay, so I know they have to bring the universal translator, obviously. I just think they could... I don't know. How do you feel about that? Bringing all this technology down? (laughs) (laughs) Because it just seemed like, okay, it's bad enough you're going down and risking this, but if you get caught now, They're going to have all this technology. They're going to find all this technology on you.
1: Yes. Um, Very interesting point that you make there. How do I feel about it? I feel like they have to take the translator.
2: I have a separate question about that.
1: That's kind of the whole point. I have also questions about how the translator works. But yeah, about the phasers, I think that if you're going down to a planet that you don't know, because they don't know it. They don't know it. They haven't made their research you kind of have to bring it down with you. And considering Paul just shot someone on the back, I don't think they would have had any problems with being arrested.
2: Yeah, I think if you could put all this effort into doing the eyebrow things and the costumes, would you not have researched the weapons that they use or something?
1: Yeah, but then you have to learn how to use it. It's not the same to shoot a phaser gun and to shoot a gun.
2: Yeah, I suppose a phaser has stun. Yeah. So you're not actually causing harm. Exactly. Okay. So then, the universal translator. Yes. We have to discuss this.
1: Yes, please.
2: Is it always a device? It's not something that I think about often. I usually just subconsciously accept, yeah, they can speak to other races and aliens. It doesn't bother me. But this show is making a point out of it because it's the first mission. They're learning new languages. And so it's bringing it to my attention. And in this series, which is set 200 years from now, it's a device that somehow acts as a go-between. I don't know. I don't don't know how it works. It acts as a go-between. But I'm now asking myself, what is it in the next generation and Deep Space Nine? Does everyone just carry this device around with them? Or now technology has advanced, you'd imagine it would be a cloud thing that instead of Wi-Fi spots you have, Translator, space, right.
1: So the only other iteration of the translator that I can remember at this point, or not the translator itself, but like the translator being needed, I think it was. I'm mixing up Discovery and Star Trek Beyond. That's how bad in the head I am. But like one of the newest things, and there's an alien, and she's speaking her alien tongue, and at the same time. There's the English words. And I think it's beyond, <laughs> I think. And then, at some point, the machine catches up, I think. And then she's only speaking English. But I think the thing is that they are inside of the Enterprise. Or whatever ship they're going in. So it's like the <laughs> the comm system. Not like a, a handheld device. But I think... Or maybe it is a... I need to rewatch Beyond now because I think no, it is in right, this one. Wait,
2: we'll get to it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> three years. Yeah. <laughs> three years. If I watch it now and I have to rewatch it in three years, I won't remember, so I might as well. But, so yeah, going back to the point, the translator, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't know if it's, it picks up any languages, but like, he's not wearing headphones.
2: This is it. I was like, it's not in his ear. It's <laughs> not in her ear either.
1: So is it is it like a TARDIS thing? Is it like a psychic translator? I know that the TARDIS goes inside your brain and makes you understand whatever you are hearing, but it also goes inside every other person's brain. So if I speak Spanish to you, you will hear English, but if you're speaking English, I will hear Spanish. And another point related to this is that if they were talking, Archer and this woman whose name I can't remember. Beautiful woman. His lips would not have been moving in what she would have been hearing.
2: They wouldn't be able to think.
1: Yeah. And maybe I realize this because when I'm watching movies that are dubbed to Spanish, I'm used to their mouth and what I'm hearing not matching. But that takes me out of it. Yeah. I I can't watch dubbed things. No. Of any language. Maybe animation. But even with Pixar and Disney, the lips are moving in English. So I was just thinking, in the first kiss scene, this woman is looking at this man speak, and his lips are saying something, but his words are not the same.
2: Because also then, when his universal translator stops working, and he starts She still
1: understands him.
2: Does she, though? Or when he talks, is he speaking gibberish to her as well? Because she's saying stuff to him, and she's looking at him confused as well. It's hard to gauge whether, is it the confusion, do you not understand me? Or is it the confusion of, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't understand you.
1: So if we were talking and suddenly I started sounding like... I don't think your reaction would have been like, are you good? You would have been like, what the fuck?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) So... You can, yeah, I, mean, I don't know a, that's not
2: how you usually sound <laughs> <laughs>
1: let's, like, let's just put the translator topic as aside because I think yeah. we could go on and on and on and on just with a lack of logic be- behind this whole technology one, just
2: one other thing though on the translator I'm bringing this up because you allowed yourself to bring up the that pick about degrees and um, he tells her about a dog <laughs> i like, we don't even know if they have dogs
1: <laughs> yeah I thought so too <laughs> What is a dog?
2: (laughs) What is a dog on this? Are dogs the same, but they also just have the eyebrow ridges? Or all (laughs) animals? Is it just the exact same as Earth, but all animals have these eyebrow ridges?
1: Yeah. Maybe the word for dog in this language means horse. And she thinks he has a horse.
2: Yeah, but the translator automatically is able to be like, oh, well, their equivalent of a dog is this. So, it's therefore not translating word for word, it's translating meaning.
1: But that's what you should do. Well, yeah. When translating, that is what you should do. Yeah, but this
2: is. But dog for us doesn't have the meaning of dog is a specific animal, whereas it's translating dog as a pet.
1: Yeah, I would assume that if I had to look for a synonym for the word dog in an alien language, I would have gone to all the animals that they had. And found the closest one and characteristic, like a four-legged pet, like domesticated animal that you can keep in your house. And maybe the only pets that they have are cats, quote unquote. That would have been the dog that I would have referred to. Because translating is not just, oh, this word means this. If you're translating a conversation, you need to translate the meaning of the conversation and not Mm. just the words. So that's why it's very important to know. Expressions and semantics and the meaning behind the words. Because if you, for example, in English, there's an expression, it's raining cats and dogs. Yeah. In relation to dogs. And that is just because the houses in Britain, the ceilings and the roofs were made out of hay. So because heat rises in the winter, dogs and cats would sleep in the attic and be warm. But when it rained, it got through the hay. So the cats and the dogs would come down. As to not get wet, houses in Spain have never been like that, so we don't have an expression that includes cats and dogs when it rains. We have it's raining in like vases because a vase can contain a lot of water, and it's like you're throwing the water out of a vase. So those two expressions for me would be translatable, one with the other, even though the words are not the translation.
2: I actually didn't know the origin of that phrase.
1: Disclaimer: This is what I learned in university. I am not a hundred percent sure of the historical accuracies, but that is what I was told in university, and it makes sense.
2: I think I'm gonna have to change the genre of the podcast and just add in educational as well. Because...
1: Of course,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Each episode is turning into a linguistics lesson. Um, speaking of dogs, yes, we got a very golden retriever moment from Trip when <laughs> to Paul at the end. <laughs> when at the end they're being threatened by the other ship
1: oh yes prepare to leave orbit on my order belay
0: that keep this ship right where it is
1: i don't have to reiterate that i outrank you mr tucker ensign engineering billy
0: stand by the vent in the cells on my order yes sir we're not going anywhere
1: i didn't say leave orbit i said prepare to leave orbit I have no intention of abandoning the captain dead or alive. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just immediately jumping to conclusions and being like we can't leave my master behind.
1: Oh, don't say my master. That is not this no. But yeah, no, that and when Archer calls back and Trip is like, "Do you want me to beam down? Do you need me there?" <laughs> he's a he's such an eager person to help. He's captain. And I'm sure that anyone that needs it, as we've seen with Tapol needing to confide in someone and him being there, I think that if he's able to help, he will. And that is... It's a green flag. And it's not me being biased and loving him already. No, of course not.
2: No, you? Biased? What? No. No. But I do like these moments because when we recorded that first episode and I made that comment about Trip being dog-like, I was very conscious at the time that this could backfire me horrendously and i'll look like an idiot and yet every episode provides us with trip being a loyal loyal companion to his captain i think
1: your definition of trip is very right and correct i just think that the meaning that you gave it in regards to i don't like him so much because he acts like a golden retriever is where we differ. Yeah. Because for me that is one of his biggest qualities. And for you it's something that I don't want to say annoys you because I don't know at what degree it does, but you pick up on it very quickly. Yeah,
2: I don't think it annoys me, but just now that I'm aware of it, I'm just constantly seeing it. And I'm like, oh, there's do the dog again
1: <laughs> <laughs> There he is, the golden retriever. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um my my final point, I don't know if you have anything else to say about this. I don't this have really.
1: anything else to add, so just go ahead.
2: Well, I don't even know if this will make the cut. Um, When Garros, the antagonist, first yeah. appears, maybe this is just me, but I was like, holy shit, he's the spit of Captain Kirk. No? Okay, I'm editing that out. <laughs> I honestly, I actually looked it up. I, looked, I actually looked the actor up, because like, this guy has to be related to William Shatner.
1: That is what <laughs> do we got... have eyes? Yes, our eyes don't work the same way.
2: I think no. I'm gonna find. I'm gonna. We're gonna. We'll do a poll on Twitter. I genuinely, I genuinely looked up the actor to see if he was related to William Shatner, who it was.
1: That is crazy. I don't see it, and this time I'm not biased because I don't particularly like William Shatner. Yeah. Not Kirk, Kirk. I love. <laughs> I mean, William Shatner, and I'm making this very clear. <laughs> the same way that I did like uh Leonard Nimoy as an actor and as a person outside of the role of Spock. I don't care for William Shatner. He said some things that I just. Eh. But I adore Kirk. But like physically, I don't see the the resemblance. Maybe. No. I I was gonna say maybe I forgot. No, I no. I I I haven't forgotten how Kirk looks.
2: Okay, I'll uh, I'll try and find proof of my theory.
1: So, anything else to add? Do you have any other thoughts?
2: No, I don't think I have anything more to say about this episode. I enjoyed this overall. It's not one of my favourite episodes, but it was a new type of episode that certainly this series of Star Trek hasn't done before. I'm sure they'll do more, and I'm looking forward to seeing. Other characters have romantic liaisons on planets.
1: There is just one episode that I remember vividly. Oh, no. And I don't think uh, you were... No, you
2: said too much. You said too much already. You said too much
1: already. I'm I'm ready for it. I'm ready to discuss it with you, though. Um. But yeah, thank you for joining us on this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back next week with episode 9, Fortunate Son. You can follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Potmiapskari, or write us at potmiapskari at gmail dot com. Bye bye.
0: Bye. Scotty, come in.
1: Ready to
0: be my was up home.
1: Oh, oh, she's so beautiful.
0: What the fuck?